Hello and welcome to another podcast with me, Angie Fado, and my friend, Angel Huertes. Um, he is the creator and founder and genius behind conversations in quarantine, because that's what we're doing these days. We're having, we're trying to have conversations in quarantine, which I think brings up some interesting conversations and also some pain that we carry and all the other things that are going on in our world and our nation right now that need to be talked about and need to be dismantled. Um, Angel is going full force into those conversations because I think he tries to be fearless in his everyday life. And that fearlessness opens up the door for others to be fearless and so i'm very excited to have my friend on the podcast we know each other from wild goose and i'm i don't think either of us are involved anymore but some really good relations relationships came out of that for me and angel is one of them and i learn a lot from him just following him on different social media platforms and the things that he says um, so I'm really excited that he's here today. Angel, thank you for being here. What would you like to say about yourself? Well, before anything else, uh, gracias. Thank you for having me over. It's, uh, it's, it's refreshing to be on this side of the equation. <laughs> you yeah. know, I feel like uh, I get to feel that little bit of heat and maybe a little bit of a graceful tension to be on this side, too. Mm. So this will this will help me be a little bit more empathetic to the people <laughs> that are on my yeah. on my show. So uh, my name is Angel Angel Huertas. Este, I'm originally from Puerto Rico. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Puerto Rico is this uh, uh, piece of land, this small island in the middle of the Caribbean, that um, as as we as we see it today, still actually is one of the oldest colonies still mm. around and that's not a flattering thing that's actually quite sad um or could uh, we say could we say fucked up <laughs> yeah yeah and that's even and that's even that's even a, a delightful that's a, that's that's it's it's far worse you know that's yeah. uh that's putting it nicely so uh as uh, angie mentioned i i've been doing this uh i've been doing this project that started literally in, in in my quarantine as i was coming back from puerto rico to houston as i found myself in puerto rico and this whole thing exploded and i had to self-quarantine for a couple of weeks before i integrated myself back with my family and then in that space of you know just uh finding what to do within the 24 hours of a day I found myself, you know, talking to myself and I thought, mm, what, how much more interesting would it be to talk to other people mm. and, and visualize those conversations. And it just started really uh, very off the grid. And then it, it became a bit more formalized. Some people were doing similar things and I got a bit of influence, uh, both on the technical aspect and also on the on the essential and the substance. And I've been doing that now for literally three months, uh, Monday through Fridays. I can't um, believe it. I mean, you have had some amazing <laughs> guests, but it's hard enough for me to do one a week. I can't believe yeah. how, many, how many you've done. 
Well, that speaks uh, that speaks about my OCD. Um, <laughs> okay. It speaks about my OCD, and also it I think it's it speaks a bit more about my the level of desperation I might have to to incur into self therapeutic practices, mm -hmm. and yeah. this is kind of what I see that these talks have been for me. Um, a little bit more about me. I'm a teacher in profession. I I love the world of uh, the world of pedagogy and you know mm -hmm. thinkers and doers like Paulo Freire have been a great influence to in my life. To others like Mr. Rogers and I try to live in in some form of as you said before in some sort of fearful lessons, following their footsteps. And every one of the conversations that I've been doing as of late. I've been exploring that 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 fearfulness that tangibilizes if I could use that word itself in vulnerability mm -hmm. and in at least trying to be vulnerable. So so I I've enjoyed that space I've had so far. Uh later tonight I'll have another one of the, another one of these interventions in Who do you in, have who do you have tonight or later today? Well today I have a a um a forefront uh, voice in in feminist uh, in the feminist movement in Puerto Rico. Her name is uh, Shariana Ferrer, and um, she's been uh, as of as of the last uh, I would say the last few years, especially her voice has resounded quite uh, loudly after the summer of 2019. For those of you who don't know, Puerto Rico in the summer of 19 was able in the span of two weeks to uh, to force the current governor who embodied corruption quite candidly oh, yeah. to have no other than to resign. And um, in the summer 19, she was a resounding voice and still to the day she is. So, and I think most of my, ter most of my tertulias, which is the conversation tertuliando en cuarentena, you know, conversating in quarantine are in Spanish. Um, they, they are in Spanish because a lot of the, guests are from puerto rico but also from other latin american countries mm -hmm. and i did it i did it intentionally most of my speakers most of my guests do speak english but i felt there's a lot of um anglo uh things going on things yeah. for english speakers and i really wanted to have something for spanish speakers that don't don't speak english yeah i i actually i love that because everything is for white people everything everything is for white English speaking people. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, as somebody that is, has lived in different places where English wasn't the main language spoken, it is good for us to be uncomfortable or have to work for something a little bit. Yeah. Like yeah, I want, exactly. I was like, oh, I think it's time. Like I didn't get Spanish in school. Mm -hmm. So, which won't surprise you, but I also, you know, grew up and went to a very small rural school. So there weren't a lot of options for languages. We did have Spanish and we did have French um, subpar totally because the American system is ridiculous to teach people a language in high school when they should be learning it as kids. But anyway, um, I just was like, oh, maybe I need to you know, in quarantine, maybe I need to uh, start learning Spanish just so mm. I can listen to the, because you're not doing a podcast. I think what you're doing maybe is, a... I don't know if it's trickier, because I... No, it's it's not trickier. I don't think it's, I think podcasts, I mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't know your perception of the podcast, but at least for me, 
is it's a bit more um maybe structured and i don't mean structured in a negative notion yeah. but like is it involves some somewhat planning and what i'm doing doesn't but i think that doesn't speak that doesn't speak to a general idea as to what i do as, as to what i'm doing it, it speaks as to how i'm doing it yeah <laughs> so. well you're also you can see the people talking to you which see, is a, see, which see. is a totally different it's just a different format it is. <laughs> and i haven't i think because i've gotten so used to this now not seeing people yeah. that um, it would be a whole other, you know, step to actually do something where I'm seeing people. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> even as, as I, even as, as I'm engaging with you now, it's, it's different. And I think this yeah. has, this has its own delight, you know, it has its own um, specificity. It, 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 it's, it, it, the, the feelings that you experience here are, are definitely different. It's like the, there's the concentration is more into the into the fact that you're just you have to focus on the listening and and um, yeah. no no body language here only on yeah. on maybe on an imaginarium level yeah <laughs> oh so, yeah yeah I, th I think they both I think they both have their certain delights yeah and I I I think you know it's just it's what I started with and um now i'm comfortable with it and i mean i i do other you know this because i do igtv and other things like that but mm -hmm. you know why um if it's not thick if it's not fixed don't break it if it's not broke don't fix it yeah yeah it's good this it is good for people on the run too i mean you can you yeah. can multitask as you listen to these podcasts this yeah. is a good thing about it yeah that's true i did want to ask you since i have you and you are from puerto rico I know that a lot of times, I mean, it's not just limited to Puerto Rico, but a lot of times in the United States, the, you know, media chooses what to tell us. Mm -hmm. And so we don't hear about what's happening in other places that are part of the United States. Mm-hmm. And I haven't heard how what's happening in Puerto Rico with COVID nineteen. Can you can you talk about that a little bit? Because you're you still have family there, right? Yeah, sure. And and I, I'm I'm significantly more plugged in into what's happening back home than what's happening here. Oh, good. Um, and uh, and and that's me not being as intentional as I could because there's there's. I mean, at least on a personal level, there is that overwhelming element of uh, of of basically commenting into the the grotesque level of corruption that goes on back home as well. Mm -hmm. um, it's not it's not all that different than the corruption that goes on here. I think it's 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 easier to spot out because it's it's more insular, it's more isolated, it's an yeah. island, and. Um, what what COVID nineteen has done, uh, specifically in Puerto Rico, it has, you, you know, the these these moments of tragedy or these moments of social vulnerability, have a way of of exposing corruption more more vividly. Yeah. Um, the, the the as I was mentioning before, Cyber nineteen did something that had never happened in the history of Puerto Rico, have a governor resign because of the uh, forceful pressure of protest. Mm -hmm. uh, and then what happened is, so we had an elected governor 
who was corrupt as he was, um, and and the the line of secession. We don't have vice presidents or vice governors back home, but we have secretary of states, and they would be they would be following the line of secession. But what happened was that um, the summer nineteen scan the summer of nineteen context was that there were these chats that leaked, and there was all this horrible information yes, that was going on. I remember that between the governor and his cabinet and the secretary of state was part of that. So then when the line of secession was to, to, you know, to function and to take, take place as the governor is no longer there, there was also no secretary of state because he was also yeah. found corrupt and he had resigned some, some weeks before. So then what happened is that the secretary of justice, which is the current, uh, which is the current governor at the moment, she was she was in that line of secession. And just to make a long story short, she ends up being the governor of Puerto Rico. So she, right now, Puerto Rico has, for the last uh, you know year, has had a governor that that was not elected by the people. Yeah, and she she doesn't come she doesn't come into the equation without any context. I mean, as a secretary of state, there's a lot of controversy. And to say controversy is to, to, to say it lightly because there's a lot of stuff that she mendled, she meddled with. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she comes in with a whole legacy of corruption. Mm-hmm. And fast forwarding into this COVID-19 oh, situation, the, the, the ability to put curfews on, the, the, the fact that the, at the moment, Puerto Rico is still under curfew. And it's, and it's really odd and weird because... Um, businesses are back as usual with some sort of regulation and there's a curfew from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m., which makes no sense whatsoever because mm-hmm. I, I jokingly say that maybe there is a, a sleepwalking problem back home that, you know, people just <laughs> go out to the street sleepwalking and then they wanted to avoid that from happening. Yeah. Because it doesn't make sense. The, big, one, the biggest mall in Puerto Rico is open. All the stores are open. So it makes no sense. But it, it, it is it is that it is that control leverage yep. so another thing that happened another thing another thing that hap- that's happening is that just like here in the u.s we are we are three four months away from an election yep. so there's so many ongoing contradictions from yes people have to maintain social distances yes the you know mask wearing is a policy yes uh there's a curfew but here the politicians are out campaigning and the campaigning in Puerto Rico, it is, uh, it has its own um, fetish and its own uh, colorfulness. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's full campaigning, going out to the streets, um, mm-hmm. going visiting uh, people's homes and handing out hugs and doing all with, that. With school. the pandemic going. Yes, yes. And, oh, and there's God. evidence of that. I, it's all in place. So. Now, as 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 uh, you know, as cases have surged up, uh, many of the reporters have been asking the the governor, who's also running, which she had initially mentioned when she inherited his governing position, that she had no aspirations of a running. Uh, so there's so many ongoing contradictions and, and yeah. hypocritical lies. And she said that they've been asking, so is this new, you know, are the new restrictions that are coming up now, this last week, are they going to apply to your campaigning? And and they had no other to say, yeah, yeah, for the next two weeks, we are suspending our campaigns. But so COVID-19 in Nugget, in, in, in a nutshell, has has allowed uh, has allowed the governor, for example, to 
to to to more to more vividly expose. Right there, you cut out for a second. Um, I don't know if you want to relink. Oh, or... you just you just said uh, the the gov. It has allowed the governor to, and then it cut out. Okay, so so the COVID nineteen in a nutshell has allowed the governor and and her cabinet um to basically abuse of the situation and, and that corruption which is already obvious to everyone um i i guess just be at a far more undeniable un undeniable realm you know the the curfews and everything campaigning yeah. just a lot of hypocrisies you know has have there been a lot of cases in Puerto Rico of the disease well as far as um for those of you who have been following on Puerto Rico after Hurricane uh, Maria, I mean, there as as far as documented cases, there ha I mean, it's it's not to the proportion of the U.S. Yeah. And I mean, obviously in percentage, definitely not in numbers, but in percentage is not as of as of now. Puerto Rico has had, um, I think, a little over 140 or 150 deaths, mm. um, but that's documented. And the thing is that yeah. we we know. Yeah we know what happened in Maria and the documentation of the yeah. deaths, which were completely inco incongruent yeah. to what was going on. So I don't know, but I, but I, but I, but I think even if the numbers are not accurate, it, I don't think it's as disproportionate as it, as it has been in the U S. Yeah. It's, you know, I think it's one of those things too, where when there's so much news, so much going on uh you you don't hear about other places mm -hmm. as much but it's it's like that thing that i don't know if it was betsy devos that said it but you know oh there will only be like 0.1 percent kids that will get covid if schools open again and then somebody did the math on that and it was like fourteen thousand children would get it yeah, you know, it's yeah, like, it's yeah, maybe collateral damage. Yeah, maybe you've them. only had you know 105 documented cases, but it's an island, and those are the documented cases, and they've proven that you know, like in Africa, in 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 you know, in places where it's harder to get the information out, or people are living in small rural villages. Mm -hmm. you know they're just dying within their family unit and it's mm -hmm. never documented as you know covid cases or whatever the um disease that was ravaging at the time that they're trying to keep track of because you know people just are used to well one not trusting the government why would you and then going to a hospital so there's just no way of knowing how many people are actually suffering and dying mm -hmm. from this or suffering and recovering so i thank you for for giving that update that i i want to i want to mention something else yeah. um one of the guests a good friend of mine one of the guests i had in, in tertuliando in quarantena um in the in the show i do uh margarita sanchez she's an uh, she's a, a puerto rican um a, a black uh openly lesbian uh puerto rican pastor who who right now resides in in mexico and then she she in in the tertulia i had with her in the conversation i had with her 
she shared with me something that I think is worthy of noting. And she was sharing about um, the regulation and the different uh, policies that, you know, have been been made uh, into 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 placement over there in Mexico City. And there's a lot of things that we that have access to, you know, clean water, have access mm -hmm. to soap, have access to these things, to um, disinfectants, uh, stir, uh, you know, sanitizing liquid, whatever. And she was telling me that, you know, great, great parts in Mexico, in Mexico, at least in DF and in the Distrito Federal and in Mexico City mm -hmm. are, you know, don't have access to, for example, yeah. to soap and, and, and all these things. So, so you make these, you make these campaigns yeah. and you make all these ads that, that take things for, that take things for accounted as though yeah. everyone, uh, everyone enjoys these, these things yeah. and these things are not factual for everyone. So, so the, the level of peripheral awareness that we have sometimes, mm -hmm. um, is completely a joke. It's completely oh, yeah. a joke. So, so, so with with within regards to the numbers reported in Puerto Rico, of course, I don't trust all those numbers. Yeah. And, and and of course, I don't trust either. Like for example, in in the U.S., I remember some of the coverage that was being done in the U.S. Like for example, with uh, with David Bagnot, who's a CBS CBS reporter who has been completely plugged into the Puerto Rican situation ever since Maria, and I, we we have given him the honorary. Boricua Puerto Rican um, <laughs> citizenship because he's just been amazing, um, but but he he made some he made some accounts about how Puerto Rico was one of the first places that was taking some initiatives and that was true, but there's there's so much to deconstruct there, mm -hmm. yeah. Because yes, there's strict measures that are being made, but but it was all it was all like we say in Puerto Rico, it was all paint, and mm -hmm. it, 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 it was all paint job, yeah. Um, and that's the problem. That's the problem. A lot yeah. of paint job, a lot of paint job. being. Well, done it's back like, home. you know, we have a friend that's, uh, in prison right now. And mm -hmm. when, and Todd talks to him on a pretty regular basis. And when the pan pandemic first started, you know, he ended up in a phone call with him and our friend was like, you know, the prison guards are stealing our toilet paper. Wow. We can't even get toilet paper. We're trapped in here with each other. And I'm sure you've seen the stories. I mean, the stories of prisons right now are horrific, but they have to fucking buy their own soap. So am I going to buy, like he was just telling Todd yesterday, you know, they get, you know, cause it's, it is in prison. It is slave labor. Whatever people think about prisons, it's slave labor. Like if they don't get, if they don't work, you know, he works in the scullery. If he doesn't work, he gets thrown into solitary. Hmm. So he works and he gets, what is it, $40? I'm, I could, I probably have this totally wrong. I thought it was $40 a week. It could be less than that. But, and that's to buy all the things he needs, like toothpaste, deodorant, any anything that he needs. And they jack up the prices within the prison system so he was like well i really like this deodorant but this deodorant is cheaper so 
I'm going to get the cheaper one because basically I don't care if my celly doesn't like the way I smell, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's so fucking ridiculous. They're trapped in there with each other. And I'm not, I, I am for abolishing prisons and that mm -hmm. is a complicated conversation because I'm not, obviously I'm not for, rapists and murderers to just run around the streets like people mm -hmm. are going to think that that means just like people that are for abolishing the cops are not saying we don't need police to do stuff <laughs> just ridiculous anyway but just you know i mean it's 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 again it's um i would say it's it's coming from a privileged position to say, well, just use soap and wash your hands and take a shower every day. I've lived hmm. in many places where I could buy soap, but the water wasn't running. When I was in India, like we couldn't get water every day to shower. So it's all, all of this stuff is like you're saying, it's, you know, let's paint over the cracks. Like I'm sure you heard when Trump was going to India and um, the, I think it's a prime minister. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Is India has a prime minister. Like he just built barricades in front of the slums and painted the barricades bright white. <laughs> I'm not going to yeah. actually tackle the, the devastation that's happening in those communities. I'm just going to build a barricade that costs tons of money and paint it white so tr Trump can't see the pro poverty. Like Trump gives a shit about the poverty anyway. <laughs> he doesn't yeah. care. But anyway, um, yeah, I I understand, and um, it is beyond frustrating and tragic what what is happening right now. What is it like for you to be in the U.S. in Houston, and also have your heart in another place, and not? and have a limit to what you're able to actually do to help the people that you love. What is that like mm -hmm. for you? If you can speak to that. Yeah. Um, well, living in the, living in the diaspora, um, this is the first time that I live here for longer than I've always lived here. No longer than two years. The first time I lived here was when I was a kid, when I was like, eight or nine and I lived here for two years that's where I picked up on the English and everything um and then later in life uh lived in New York for a year year and a half but I never I've never done life in the U.S. for more than two years and even though I haven't gotten to that two-year mark yet this is I guess the most adulthood I've been the most into my adulthood phase I've been here for two years for a year now a little over a year and and also um you know living li living tasting smelling and hearing things as i hear them now you know with 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 the just being more educated just uh being perhaps more aware of some things it it does it, it does feel quite differently it does feel quite it, it's more difficult to ignore things yeah um and I've also in my, you know, having also lived in Germany for four years, uh, it puts it puts things into perspective. You can you can start contrasting realities. Yeah. And uh, every time I've 
been away from Puerto Rico. I mean, I'm not, I'm not claiming this to, for myself only. I'm sure this is probably everyone's experience or many people's experience when they live away from their home. They grow an appreciation to to their to their home, to their culture, to their music, mm. to their history. And you know, being being in Germany, I, I you know, like I I I very accidentally found myself looking more into the history of Puerto Rico for the last two, three centuries. You know, what does it mean to 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 just be handed down from one empire to the other? Mm. What does that do? How does that affect you know sociologically? How do, does, does that affect the psyche yeah. of of the people uh, living in that place? And you know, going back to my present moment and, and having, you know, participated for a year in the local economy here, you know, being in the workforce, working in a school and the public system, you know, it's, it, it's become, it's become a bit harder to, at least on the, on a conscious, on a consciousness level to ignore things that I, that I knew at a at a theoretic level you know mm -hmm. take for example the education system i mean i was only i wasn't working as a teacher per se i was working with special ed students uh, i was working as a form of a teacher because i was teaching them i was helping them out and i mean I, I, context obviously has a lot to say and and at least context here in houston's in the suburbia houston i live in man it's it's literally like it's 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 quite a bubble it's quite an ide idyllic bubble mm -hmm. um working with other colleagues that and 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 i don't it, it's 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 interesting what's you know it's interesting what will happen now you know august as as classes resume in whatever form or way they'll resume and what i mean by that i wonder what's i wonder what I mean, other than the technical aspects of how school is going to be done, whether virtually or not, I wonder how the curriculum will be affected. I wonder how the curriculum, you know, in the in the times of pandemia, in the times of of injustice, in the times of you know of the the how how blackness is so like it's it's the atrocity that has been mm -hmm. done to the black community for centuries. Is harder to ignore now. I wonder how that's going to affect the curriculums. Well, I hope schools. it affects the curriculum. <laughs> it, and as they should. Yeah, but I hope that. I mean, can you, like, can you imagine? I mean, for me, I think if I would have been given, you know, even a small portion of true history, how that shifts and changes the way you see the world. But you're given as an American, and I'm sure it's not exclusively an American thing, but you're given the winner's history or whoever is in power and can rewrite history. Like why mm -hmm. we have all of the statues that we have and people think, well, they've always been there. No, they haven't always been there. There was a movement, you know, in the, what was it, 30s and 40s to erect these statues to Confederate leaders Mm -hmm. to basically shift history. So I just, I, I think it's interesting too, because um, I didn't know you were a paraeducator and Todd has been 
a paraeducator for the last, I think, 12 years. And it's shifted and changed as he's gone back to school and had to, like, take a lower position. But um, one of the things that he's experienced, at least in the Portland school district, is just how, you know, teaching kids that are otherly abled and usually... I would say shunned by society in a lot of ways, which is a whole other topic, but um, he's passionate about kids and kids being seen and heard and play and interaction. And, you know, also a big fan of um, Mr. Rogers. So am I, I probably wouldn't still be alive without Mr. Rogers. Hmm. Um, but just uh, how those positions that take on those caring roles with children are so disregarded in our society. Hmm. You know, be in a school and have a teacher go, hey, can't you keep that kid quiet? Oh, God. Uh, no, oh God. because it's... this kid is having a moment of needing to express themselves. No, I can't keep them quiet. I I I, don't, I, you don't I educate yourself. I particularly had. I mean, that's. I mean, give a context. My my sibling, my younger sibling, and his partner, his wife. Um, they work at the school. They've been working at it for a few years. This is a re- relatively new school. It's been running for I think four to five years, in the Humble area in, in Houston. Uh, and. As I'm, I'm a teacher in profession, but I'm not certified here. So my brother mm-hmm. got me a gig as a paraeducator. And I mean, starting with the appreciation that this uh, position has here, uh, thinking and talking about the pay, it shows how stepped over this position is. Oh. Um, the, I mean, I, I get, I get, I'm I'm on a salary of 18k a year, of which I see a ridiculous less sum of that. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. And so even 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 that 18k mark is it's absurd. And I remember when I became far more aware of how problematic that was because mm-hmm. I was I was like, well, you know, I'm here, I'm I'm here transitioning. This is not like something I'm making a career of, but I'm aware that. I have some colleagues that have been doing that for years. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and their pay, their pay isn't all that much different from mine. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to the principal and, and, and I think this is when the equation started or this, when the pendulum started shifting and, and and swaying against my behalf. Um, (laughs) And I I went up to him and I asked him, I I just want to read. I just want to get your reading on this just very respectfully and I asked him, you know, what what's your, you know, what's your take about about um, well, basically, I, I I laid it down like this. I'm like, you know, I I hear in our staff meetings a lot of talks about you know solidarity, a lot of talks about you know having each other's backs, you know, like giving the extra mile, all very much idyllic discourses, which are true. Yes, let's mm-hmm. you know, keep each other's backs. But there's a lot of rhetoric and 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 in our school and that school has some beautiful slogans, you know, like <laughs> in, you know, intentionality, plurality. And and I and I and I 
problematize this and I asked them, you know, how come in, in our in our staff meetings when we're talking about deficiencies, we're talking about things we can get better, how come I have never ever once, and I've only been here, I know I haven't been here that long, but I think this is a very critical thing and I think it needs to be talked about, um, salarial solidarity, mm. you know, salarial solidarity, the fact that Colleagues of mine have been working in this position with unlivable wages to me seems absolutely bizarre. Yeah. yeah. And then his reaction was, well, Angel, you know, I don't necessarily agree with it. I'm like, uh, yeah, okay. So, so then, so then what do you do in your position about it? He's like, well, I can't do it. I'm not in charge of payroll. And I'm like, well, that's not my comment. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that you're handing out checks here in school. I'm saying like, you're the principal. I just want to know how you like how how you affront, how you visualize, how you see this situation. He's like, well, I don't agree with it. What do you do about it? I'm not sure the payroll. And then I'm like, okay, so then so then, what do we do about it? And he's like, well, Angel, if you want, you can you can you can pick it in front of the school. And and he didn't say that in a flattering <laughs> way. He didn't say that. He said he said that quite you know salt like with you know saltiness yeah and i'm like that's not my I, I don't and i don't even see that as the solution in that of itself and then after that interaction i had with them it was like war like it was yeah. just like it was like it was the cold war between him and i like i i thought i was being paranoid but i started noticing that he was like uh going to the classrooms that i was at more often mm. Um, and it all led to this really horrible situation where, uh, I, I basically finished my term in paid administration leave because I, 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 I concluded after a few months that I was noticing a targeting treatment mm -hmm. against my person between him and the vice principal. And I can freely talk about it because that whole yeah. thing is, is done and over with. But, um, and then later on, I found out that a teacher had anonymous had anonymously accused me, falsely accused me, of um, touching students inadequately, of talking to students about communism and about religion, and and I think I think that that I think that teacher probably in her thinking she thought I'm gonna I'm gonna squeeze in the communist thing because I think out of all these things I've mentioned this is the worst thing. Um, <laughs> Because that's how it is here. That's how it's oh, played I out know. here. I know. And that led to nothing because they they had they found they found none of those things to be true. But um, I remember when I went to when I went to HR to tell them about what I was noticing. This you know I noticed this pattern of treatment against me. Uh, I, I called them because I had I got that particular day I got an email from the principal and I thought oh they're they're really legitimately trying to fire me mm. and I'm like I'm gonna go to HR and want, I want to have this documented so next day I go to HR and they were they were they were ready and 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 had all this prepared to talk to me about some other thing I'm like I scheduled this meeting with HR I walked into this meeting and they're like, oh, thank you, you know, thank you, Angel, for coming to us. And we actually have been wanting to, to talk to you. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I scheduled this meeting for myself. Whatever, whatever talk you guys want to have about me, that's a whole other thing. And then I'm like, well, I'm a, and I'm like, as a matter of fact, I need to make a phone call right now. And then they didn't want to let me. They're like, no, you can't. What? I'm like, 
what do you mean I can't make a phone call? And, and they're like, you can't make a phone call. And like, this is absurd. I'm not, and I'm like, I, I, I will, I will not be part of this meeting um, that you guys are, have, have maneuvered to. And then they finally agreed, which is just absurd. And I was actually going to call my dad because I had been talking to my dad about this whole thing. And he actually, he'd actually warned me that that might actually take place, that they might actually have a bit of a, I don't know what the word, I don't know what the word is. Um, uh, in Spanish is emboscada when they're waiting for you and they're kind of oh, like yeah. to yeah. entrap you. Yep. So, uh, I finally got to, I finally got them to agree that they were not going to talk about anything else and not to not nothing to do with what I had scheduled a meeting for. And that was going to be obviously discerned by me if I knew that any of their talking points had nothing to do with anything I shared. So then later on down the line, I mean after that meeting they said, you know, we're going to put you in administrative pay leave because they found that it was not a good working scenario and I, I made, they, they were they would they were literally caught by surprise. They did not see that coming mm -hmm. um later on months th that was in february then the whole pandemic thing exploded so whatever investigative process that they began i'm sure with the whole pandemic thing they didn't do anything so when they had to close the semester i think they just fast forward the whole thing and then they said oh yes yeah, investigations concluded we found nothing it was you know any everything that you mentioned was uh they didn't say it wasn't true but it wasn't it was you know it was not meritory yeah of 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 you having of you of moving you to another school or la 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 whatever so we're we're reinstating you back to to into work which is on a purely symbolic phase because we're not working yeah. literally in, the, in a campus but everything the whole process was a joke the yeah. whole how hr managed it hr was constantly trying to bring the principal into the equation when he was one of the ones i was accusing yeah like ridiculous there were they were trying to make it like, like, you know, like when there's like a conflict between two kids, like you just shake your hand, <laughs> shake each other's hands and it's no problem. It was, it was a, so, so that experience in of itself, you know, I, I tell a story because it really left me with a huge wound and just with oh, a yeah. whole pouring of salt over that wound. And I mean, I, to, to the day I'm still, I'm staffed in the school, but you know, but as of August, I don't know if they're going to renew yeah. or not, but the point, the point of the matter is that it was, it was horrible. And that, speaks into part of the experiences like in this in the, in the school the one and only true friend i had was this 85 year old african-american um sub that she was still working yeah and i loved her to i loved her dearly um she was the only one that really understood me and yeah. uh it, it was it wasn't it was idyllic uh but I loved working with kids. I yeah. oh, mean, the kids taught me so much. Oh, every one of the kids, you know, I had some kids. I never been working with special ed students in my life. My 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 degree is on ESL, mm -hmm. and on high school level, I was working elementary school level. But working with these kids, man, <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. Every day was such. It was a a new learning and unlearning experience mm -hmm. for them. Well, I want to say I'm very sorry because that is hugely traumatic, hugely traumatic. And now you're in, you know, other traumas right now. So I'm, I'm sorry that happened to you. And one, one other thing that I observed is, and I, I think this happens a lot where people in power say, we want solidarity. 
But what they really mean is we want you to come to where we are and do the bulk of the labor to get here. And that we think is solidarity. And that's not solidarity. I would, I would suggest that solidarity is as much as possible creating equality between the different people. Mm -hmm. You can't say, you know, as a leader, you can't say, oh, let's, you can say it and it's bullshit. You know, let's have solidarity when you're not trying to create pathways to equality through pay, through resources, through access, whatever. And that's across, that's across the board. That's just a really good illustration on how much bullshit is out there because that isn't solidarity. That is some kind of, like you said, again, it's another, let's put paint over this. No. It sounds good. It, it's, it's a discourse. Yeah, it sounds good. It's what people want to hear and it's meaningless and without any kind of structure or, you know, I don't know. It's just empty. It's empty words that mean nothing. You know, in, in, in one of my in one of my tertulianas, in one of the conversations I had, um, we I had a, a good friend of mine who's joined us a few times. And we talked about the like, uh, you know, specifically when the context of the United States of America, the power of iconography, the power of um, or the, the power of, of, of myth telling, which is, is 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 it can be used as as a, as a form of redemption and it can be used as a form of toxification and like for example creating illusions creating the illusion of progress for example mm -hmm. you, you, using 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 a tangible very immediate example you know you, you hand a holiday to Mount, to martin luther king jr yeah. you name a few avenues after his name mm -hmm. and 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 you give the illusion that there is like that that issue has been done yep. and and done and over with and 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 i think that's 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 something that uh any any movement that is looking for real intrinsic change has to be wary of you mm -hmm. know like um you know uh painting a boulevard with black lives matter that yeah. is all necessary but it is like three dots more like yes okay thank you but no that's that's not a yeah. stopping end so i think it's yeah. worthy of noticing that 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 there's a tendency of creating the illusion mm -hmm. of change, you know? Well, and I think that that's why um, I would say, especially for white people saying that they are allies, you've got to keep showing up and keep doing the work because the other people, you know, BIPOC, the BIPOC community has been doing this work, you know, for hundreds of years and they they've seen the signs of tokenism that mean mm -hmm. nothing that have gotten us nowhere. So we had right, right after George Floyd was murdered and, you know, all of the protests started happening. We had a, um, a meeting, you know, I don't, I don't know what it was called, but it was like, you know, where the mayor and all the all the people got together. Oh, it was a budget. It was a budget meeting specifically for the cops that had already been scheduled. And what we were asking for, obviously, was to abolish the cops. And what that looked like was, you know, we want funding to be slashed 
and and for these specific things like um, police in the schools removed um, the gang. I think it, they called it the gang task force or something to be abolished. All that stuff, and then for that money to be used for social reforms like food, um, housing, uh, access to mental health, um, medicine, all all social reforms for that money to go to. Mm-hmm. And so the meeting happened and a ton of people showed up and and they did like, I don't remember, maybe they defunded it by a million dollars and they were like, hey, look at us. Congratulations. We're so awesome. Mm. Which was like, like maybe one mm. fourth of the budget. Mm. And we were like, yeah. no, no, that is not good enough. That's not what we're asking for. And again, it's that that thing. It's tokenism. Mm-hmm. And and people are fucking tired of tokenism because what we get is the same as we've always got, which elite people getting wealthier and wealthier on the backs of the majority doing the work. And and I think your situation illustrates a really good point, and that's that's happening in in all of these places where people are essential workers you know our our son is in LA and he doesn't drive because he grew up in Portland and there's lots of ways to get around without having to get a license and you know he moved to LA and the bus system's fine and he's been navigating it you know and he's been working throughout the whole pandemic and once the pandemic started, he realized really quickly that he would not be able to take the bus. Hmm. They've made the bus free, but they're not requiring people to wear masks. Hmm. I think they're supposed to wear masks, but they don't, they don't, if they don't have one, they still let them get on. So he's been taking Uber and Lyft, which has cost him. I think he worked it out. $1,400 so far. He doesn't, he's not making money at his job. He's surviving and he's okay. But that, you know, he reached out to the owner of the company and he sent him an email and he basically said, Hey, I'm spending a lot of money to get to and from work because I feel like it's important for me to be extra safe since I'm working in the deli, making people's food. Of course. I should not be getting on a bus and then not, you know, not having clothes to change and all of this stuff. Is there anything that you could do to help me like reimburse me some of the money or help me find a ride or anything? I will take any kind of help. He basically ignored it. Zion then had to reach out again, say, Hey, have you, have you, have you reconsidered? I could use any, any help with this. Because mm-hmm. it's, you know, and he showed him how much money he'd spent. And and he's basically, you know, he said no with his body language. Literally, mm-hmm. this guy has, these are like fancy minute marts all over LA. So they're a chain. And the chain has, from the beginning of its inception, done deliveries. So this man has not suffered at all during the pandemic. He's made bank because he just switched things up and made way more delivery, you know, and they've not been closed. 
so all of these things are like you know and, and zion you know this is his first like real real job he's had other little jobs but he's just like work with me i you know i'm i'm i i he's he's not missed work really the entire pandemic unless he's felt sick and thought you know and he's just one story amongst thousands and thousands of stories where people cannot millions of stories let's be realistic where people cannot mm -hmm. take a lift they have to choose to get on a bus which now is life or death yeah and they're not getting any extra support you know i mean i'm not telling you anything I, you don't already know it's just all of you no but it's it's heavy it must be and and it's and it's it's good to have this perspective you know um like i for example like um it's a summer i don't i, I i'm still getting paid like i i have a certain level of privilege mm -hmm. and um you know it's i have many friends back home you know they're hustling and uh you know and and i i mean i'm i'm disconnected from that i'm i don't i don't know what my what my friends you know use in particular for example my friends in puerto rico are going through uh to for example you know the the you know to to make an attempt and i say this quite intentionally because it, it it doesn't guarantee anything mm -hmm. to apply for unemployment like the the uh the 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 way that the whole process has been designed it's been a hot mess and it's a hot mess that just describes the current administration and the current administration that that bleeds back to jesus this goes decades it's yeah. decades so it's you know it it's it's hurting a lot of people fool my 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 hurt right now is that i i can't go out i have a few things i can't do but mm -hmm. i mean there's some people that are really 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 hurting it yeah. and and have such an uncertainty as to what tomorrow is going to look like, you know, especially looking at their bank account and it's just yeah. zeros, you know? So, so what do you, you know, as somebody that cares, what do you do with that angst that you have? I try to talk, you know, I try to, I try to, find myself in a place that let's say you know a day has 24 hours <laughs> how many of those hours am i concerning myself with this mm. not many to be honest not many like um you know there there's there's a there and and uh, and i'll i'll use as a visual you know like you know, when I'm conversing with my friends and finding out what's going on, um, that those are the moments I'm kind of stepping out on like my 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 comfort zone to to to, to zone myself out of my zone mm -hmm. to see what's going on with them. And um, I I I really I really make an effort to to problematize, uh, but is very intellectual. And um, when I was in the school, I think that 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 was kind of like a little bit of my workshop that allowed me to to be in that direct contact with people. Mm -hmm. um, 
as far as you know things tangible concrete things you know it's uh you know as i as i find myself being as honest as i can be i am definitely not doing as much as i should do um you know within the the realm of my family you know i'm, I'm living for the last year i've been with my folks and my whole family lives, you know, within the neighborhood. I have my brother, younger brother, he lives with his wife, a few houses down. My older brother, who was the first one who moved up here, and his wife and his two kids live in the same neighborhood. So we have, you know, family dinners. And we're I mean, we're usually, you know, talking about things. Yeah. I mean, our, our family is, uh, you know, with, with, the, with the passing of years and the – and um, – I'm thinking of this saying in Spanish. So with the, Just say it. Say it in Spanish. <laughs> a fuerza de puños, you know, in 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 the force of, you know, fists bumping and stuff. <laughs> there's been there's been progress and evolution in my family, um, and I and I think uh, with plenty of headaches, and I'm sure I gave my my parents, they have they have come they have come very 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 ahead and they have evolved a lot like you know my mm -hmm. dad just we just celebrated my dad's uh birthday now he's in his mid-60s uh just this past weekend and my dad is one of the most open-minded persons i know in, wow. in the sense that he and my dad was a, a baptist preacher quite <laughs> fundamentalist you know turner burn and my dad is you know one of the most <sighs> One of the best person you can have a good conversation mm, with, you know, and uh, and I, and I'm truly blessed, and I have a, a a write down privilege in that in that scenario. And speaking about problematizing, you know, I I I talk to my friends, and they tell me about their experiences with their folks, and I, I live in a bit of an idyllic mm. scenario. Yeah, you know, they can't they can't talk to their folks about many things afflicting them, many yeah. real issues. So, I I I try to characterize myself with one that tries to have conversation and lately um and as i had that last week i had a conversation with Tertul in, in 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 my in my in the show and tertuliando with bark and polo and um we spoke about you know the different phases that you might go to go through as i as you know for example him he's coming out of church he's agnostic atheist and 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 i find myself in a similar scenario mm -hmm. And and in those first phases or in those first pages coming out, there's that constant need to to satire the other, to satire mm -hmm. that which you came from. Yeah. And 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 I and and I can and I can refer to that as a, of course, as a necessary phase. And I, but I also can refer to that as a place that I'm no longer in. Mm. And I really try to. You know, I really try to stimulate conversation, and that—that's—that's—that's what—that's what finds me doing what I'm doing in these um, public conversations. How does a conversation where you are not having the cliche format of a dialogue mm -hmm. look like? And um, yeah, a, a, every day I learn something new. It sounds like you're—you've developed the ability to continue to be a learner see you can t yeah you and the, and I'm learner too yeah as you <laughs> as you keep learning you keep changing it's like i tell clients all the time this is what i think i believe right now but i don't believe the same now as i did five years ago 
so I'm constantly changing and I live with comfort now in the paradox because I don't have to define my belief. So I'm telling you, this is what I think right now, but, but I am evolving and changing as I feel like humans should. Mm-hmm. So just like I might change my mind, you can also change your mind. Yeah. We don't yeah. have to. And I think that's the beauty of, you know, being given space to deconstruct faith or also structural power dynamics would work the same way when you idealize your country and you start to see that your country has flaws and has always had flaws. You know, you probably go through similar things as deconstructing faith. But I would like to, can you speak, I don't want to, you know, put you on the spot too much, but Oh, you're fine. You're fine. You're uh, you're I'm interested in, because on, you know, a lot of the clients that I work with in my spiritual direction practice come mm-hmm. to me in deconstruction of faith. And I, I, I've had my own deconstruction and um, mine included reconstruction that leaves me in a strange place of probably very witchy spirituality christianity Mm -hmm. if you if i i don't even like to use the word christianity but i still love jesus that that's Mm -hmm. been something that's my my reconstruction involves and for my clients i don't need them to arrive at reconstruction of their faith Mm -hmm. so i'm fascinated by the process because i feel like for most evolving people and I don't want to isolate anybody but I think some deconstruction and possibly reconstruction is a part of everybody's faith experience maybe not to the extreme that I experienced where I felt like I kind of lost everything while in a church community that could hold that space for me which is very rare I'm, I was very lucky to have a, a, a church community that was like yeah go for it Wherever you end Mm -hmm. up is fine with us. So in your deconstruction, it sounds like you've arrived, at least at this point, as agnostic atheist. Yeah, if we were to put a label on it, I guess. um, Well, none of us like uh, that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and it's and it's fine in in, in it that it it helps us explicate and explain some things and 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 maybe, uh, you know, part from there in, in conversation. Um, you know, it's like sometimes I can talk to some friends and he, I, last time I was in Puerto Rico back in March, a friend of mine was talking to me and he, he's just, uh, we're just good friends and we have that confianza and that trust. And he's mm-hmm. like, as we're talking and kind of like laying out our, our beliefs and whatnot, he's like, I, and you're just full of BS angel. You're, you're still a Christian, man. Like, I mean, did you not hear yourself talk? And I'm like, I mean, if that's, if, if that's how you want to if that's how you want to pursue me, that's fine. Cause I really, that doesn't, that to me is amoral. I mean, at this point is not good. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I could talk to I could talk to someone and then in a conversation, they could construct this idea that, but it seems to me that you're still a Christian and, and I have no issue with that because I don't, my, my using a label is not, 
is not this necessity I need mm -hmm. to 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 find myself at peace, you mm -hmm. know, like yeah. and 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 going back, referencing that phase that I was telling you about when you kind of come out of that and you need to kind of you know satirize others and whatnot mm -hmm. to kind of feel I don't know to 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 recomfort yourself or for 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 feeling maybe defrauded or stupid, so then you feel like you need to satirize the other. <laughs> I think that's that's a that's a process, and I think also feeling maybe that you need labels to give you a sense of comfort or a sense mm -hmm. of pillowing effect. Yeah, I think it's I think it's okay as far, as much as as much as one realizes it's transitional mm -hmm. I, I don't think it should be the the end uh so i i don't i i i think it's i think it's a good starting point to say you know this is where i kind of find myself at and if i had to attribute words or labels or terms this is where i'm at but i can talk to a christian and 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 um and and use and use some of the symbols that they might use because mm -hmm. i'll because I'm translating those things in my head or yeah. when they maybe tell me a testimony, I'm translating it in my head. So by the end of that person's very authentic and very real story, I'm not hung up on the technicalities of the story. Yeah. 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 I think it's, um, yeah, it's just an interesting place to be in, to be comfortable in, discomfort or paradox or just being okay with the not knowing no and i think growing up in i grew up charismatic evangelical um which is a whole other um thing but you know that's not a part and and i think it's similar in my todd grew up baptist as well so it's 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 similar it's like you you if of anything you have to have a surety you have to know your testimony you have to be able to claim that testimony like when we were doing the bridge the church that i was um mm -hmm. pastoring we you know we didn't have any of that we didn't have like uh you know when did you get saved did you did you you know did somebody lead you through the sinner's prayer or anything like that? So our kids did not grow up with that. And we were at a family function where all Todd's uncles had shown up. I think it might've been when Todd's grandfather died. And so we were just all talking and celebrating. And um, the favorite uncle, Dan, took the kids to go get pizza. <laughs> and while they were um, getting pizza, he like grilled them for their testimony and they had no fucking idea what he was talking about. He wanted to get out of them. Like what was their Christian testimony? Yeah, exactly. And so when we were driving mm. home, they were like, yeah, this happened in the car. And what is a testimony? And Todd started <laughs> laughing and we were like, it's basically your elevator pitch to prove <laughs> that you're a Christian. <laughs> Is your resume. Yeah, which is, in my mind, is such, I mean, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I think it's bullshit. Because if it is worth anything, it's relational. And in my yeah. relationship with you, I can say, yeah, we met at Wild Goose, but I met a ton of people at Wild Goose that I don't yeah. keep in contact yeah. with, and they don't keep in contact with me. Yeah. And I don't need to go, oh, this very moment where... 
I saw Angel and we were like, oh, you know, what about this? And it just, that's not how relation relationships with people work. And if God is a relational being, then it's about relationship. It's not about yeah, proof. I think that's, uh, it's like, I'm hung up on, maybe not so much anymore but i still do sometimes i'm rom-coms so it's uh it's a it's a hollywoodization of of things how how For how, sure. how things can be how things should be perceived like yeah. this you you need to have this uh romanticizational or romantic romanticized moment yeah. to 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 have meaning to 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 feel worthy and and oh man like i just just hearing you say that it, it really clicked with me it, it that that letter of presentation that mm. you hit others with and it's almost like i remember like hearing some friends of mine like after hearing someone with a heavy quote-unquote testimony like they came out of drugs yeah. or redeemed and they're like well i don't really have much of a testimony. yeah well then people feel shame in their testimony which is like the most ridiculous thing yeah 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 it's just Anyway, I, I, I have really enjoyed watching just, you know, watching whatever life that you're doing, because I think that you and I seem to gravitate towards the same type of books and, you know, and I think I would guess that we're similar in that way. Like I am always studying, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I'm always trying to, you know, because I come from family trauma that I will be undoing in myself for the rest of my life. You know, so I'm like, I don't think everybody needs to do what I'm doing. It's just the way that I kind of cope with and work with what I, you know, the, the mark I have against me you know, going into life. I have a, I've the, these setups that I was given that I shouldn't have to carry, but I will always have to carry. And, you know, so I'm reading like The Body Keeps a Score and, um, you know, all these books about trauma and the body and how we cope with it. And, and I've really enjoyed watching you too, because I think you are a similar person. You've always got a stack of books you're always trying to, you know, push your own understanding. And I, I like that. <laughs> I value that in people. Cause I'm like, Oh, yeah. keep going, keep learning, keep, keep studying because I'm not ever going to know anything. And I'm constantly going to have to be apologizing for the things that I, that I think that I know that I don't quite know. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's it's good to try and find oneself in that space where you're conversating with people that that have those blind spots that 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 maybe have them covered, and then you have you represent for them those blind spots that you you're covering for them, and I think that speaks into that the the s the essential need for community and the essential need for that mutuality mm -hmm. of 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 wanting to to constantly you know to to under to understand that they're that that just like you're hungry for food then you're also hungry for experiences mm -hmm. you're hungry for for 
uh, like for genuine moments of of education mm -hmm. and not 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 as a not as a hoarding uh, uh, you know rece recipient or as a yeah. or as a bank of knowledge uh, and I think knowledge is, is is only as good as you as you use it uh, you know and not use yeah. it to to checkmate others yeah. it's like connection. arguments I want yeah, connection exactly. with people genuine connection with people and one of the ways that I get that is continuing to push myself to grow because I I no. can't the knowledge is for better understanding of how humans survive and work in the world and as I watch other humans overcome and survive and thrive I see oh I can I, there's hope for me there's mm -hmm. hope for something better and I think that that's where at least that's for my my hunger for knowledge is just because ultimately all I want is connection with people. You know, sometimes when I'm like, you know, in, in, in the overly saturated social media world that we live in, that we find ourselves in, mm. uh, it's uh, it gives me a sense of hope when I find, I mean, lately I, I've been not, not masochistically, but I found myself in some forums that I should not have found myself yeah. in that were some forums that I'm on, I'm on, I'm on Facebook that have nothing to do with political things. They're, they're like um, technical forums that I'm in, like for example, for computer stuff. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes someone posts something about political nature and whatnot. And then the things that I read there, I'm like, oh God, let yeah. this page just remain about technical stuff. Yeah. And sometimes I got into the argument and, I, and I've tried to, to, to bring questions to, to not come into the argument with a lot of periods, but with a lot of questions. Mm, mm. And then, and then you, and then I've got a lot of flack. I've got a lot of ridiculing, but, but also I've got like one or two people that come in and, and they shed a little bit of, 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 of objectivity. And I've befriended some people that way. I've mm. met some really That's good people. Cool. I've actually, one of my next guests, um, this uh, uh, Joanna, she's going to be with us, uh, I believe, is next uh, in the next two weeks. Um, she's uh, an activist within the transgender community, mm. and she was in this um, expats of Puerto Rico page. And and you know, there's a lot of stuff that go on there talking about the Puerto Rican situation, just practical things about mm -hmm. you know they're traveling to Puerto Rico, I think to do. But then there's one guy was talking about July 4th and how that's celebrated in Puerto Rico, and that obviously sparked up a lot of conversation. Yeah. I think that's fine, that's perfect. You know, those conversations need to happen, they need to happen. And then she was one of those voices, and then what she was saying, I'm like, Oh, I gotta add her, and then I started talking to her, and I'm like, Hey do you want to be in this thing I've been doing? You know, it's like, I just, yeah, that's I, so cool. I, I, I just, I, I reaped the moment. And um, a lot of the people that have been in some, many of them, I know them, but many of them, I know them a day before. Yeah. I love <laughs> that. I, I've had some similar things. It's like been somebody that I know of or a friend of a friend. And I've had the juiciest conversations because of that. And God bless those conversations. Yeah. They're so good. So one question i want to ask you before i say goodbye to you is do you have a spiritual practice or a self-care thing that you do to me they're the same thing mm -hmm. but for some people they have like 
I, you know, my spiritual practice is meditation and for my self-care, I do hiking or whatever. Do you have something that, and it's probably changed because of the pandemic, but do you have something that really helps ground you that might help our listeners today or anything? Yeah, um, I'll I'll split that question initially. I'll give you a sarcastic answer because Good. I'm a bit of a smart ass. Um, <laughs> lately, I've been found myself spending a lot of time grooming my beard, and oh, as I and as wonderful. that occurs, um, I do, you know, I I do put some 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 background music that does allow me to to enter into this reflection mode, and it's you know it's it's funny that it's 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 funny in 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 as as uh, the aesthetics and the visual that might appear to people, but, but uh, I've been listening to this. Uh, I've been listening to this group called East East forest and they did this tribute album to Ram Das. Mm. And it's, I think it's, if not the last, it's one of the last recordings of him, like of his actual words. So what this guy does, he does these uh, sort of like mixes uh, with ambient type mm-hmm. music quite experimental and he mixed up his words he took some of his words it was an intentional project i it feel wasn't like, like he i've just heard took... this would you send me the link so i can make sure, sure to put it in the show notes sure sure yeah yeah it, it, and mm-hmm. if you just look for east forest ramdas you'll find it on ramda you'll find it on youtube on spotify um i do i, I haven't been doing it lately but I, I i would do 30 to 45 minutes of yoga that that definitely mm. helps me I do find myself in my room just listening to some records, like for example, like physical records and, and also, you know, also just on digital, but before my, before my, 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 my show, before the tertulias, I take about maybe 30 minutes and I'll just put some ambient music and, and I know that does something for me. I yeah. know that definitely definitely does something for me because it helps me relax. It helps me remind myself why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, if I'm tempted to ride the stressing wave, which I which yeah. I've have has has confirmed to me how unsustainable it is. And and I just I, I've I've used I've used as a mantra um these words, uh, fuck it. Yes. <laughs> fuck it has become a bit of a mantra to embrace the fact that this is supposed to be fun. This is supposed to be engaging and it's supposed to be uh, uh, me partaking in the present. I love the person that. as Mr. Rogers would say, you know, the most important person I am with now is like right now, the most important person in this conference is just you, Angie, mm-hmm. as I'm engaging with you in this present moment so yeah. try to remind myself of that and, the, and and the times i do my yoga is that attempt of being in the present and it is so fucking hard like i'll mm-hmm. be i'll be imagining the sandwich i'm making an hour later <laughs> i'll be imagining any random thing and then i'll bring myself back to the present i'll bring myself back to my hand is in the floor my hand is outstretched and i'll last five ten minutes in that and that's me stretching about like five minutes and 30 seconds and then again i'm thinking about something else and it's yeah. so hard to really live in that present in yeah. that present moment so and, and also some practices that my therapist reminded me every time i'm trying to rescue moments that are not even happening because i'm so far-fetched into the future um she's like just touch the table that you're sitting in mm. just re- remind yourself 
where you're at. Yeah. Um, and I try to do that. And that does help me. Um, uh, one of the guests I had, my my friend, uh, my now friend, Rodney Conde, he taught me this breathing exercise, which is the squared breathing. You know, you inhale four seconds, inhale, mm-hmm. then you 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 hold that four seconds and then you exhale four seconds. You hold four seconds. Mm-hmm. You inhale four seconds and then you do this square breathing exercise and he taught me that in our in our in our talk Mm -hmm. and that has been quite helpful as well yeah that's a powerful one oh those are good i'm gonna i'm gonna make you a mantra for the rest of us with the fuck it oh (laughs) thank you so much before we say goodbye is there anything you want to plug no, I mean, if, 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 if anyone wants to see what I've been doing, it's mainly in Spanish, but sometimes here and there we have some, some people that, that speak English, um, or at least that, that we have the conversation in English. Mm-hmm. And so if they look and maybe you can plug that in because it might be a bit confusing to, 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 as a non-Spanish, uh, speaker, but is, you know, if you hashtag tertuliando en cuarentena, and uh, you will find it on Facebook or on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, that's about it. And we have that every Monday to Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern. And if you can't catch it, they're always going to be there available on YouTube and, and on my Facebook. Yes. And they are so good. And if you are a Spanish speaker, you, there's even more Spanish episodes. So I highly recommend it. It's like a no holds barred. You There's you're not censoring anything. And I appreciate those podcasts or shows where they're uncensored. Yeah. Cause you really get people's humanity. It's not, it's not cleaned up for your consumption. It's like, this is who I am and take it or leave it. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's, it's just, it's, uh, trying to conduct it as the, the closest thing as it could possibly be to like a conversation. I know yeah. it's on a public sphere and stuff. That's why it's, you know, the closest thing. Yeah. And I try to intentionally and also accidentally because there's many things I'm not planned yeah. and they just occur to allow it to occur as it may. And yeah. I, and I've talked to people to recommend me anyone they think, and that I extend that to you as well. If you, you yeah. think of someone that might be of essence. Oh, I do. Um, Can I tell you right now? Can I, can I, can I invite you to, by the way, yeah. um, oh, um, um, can you, can you recommend yourself? <laughs> yeah, I recommend myself. And then my friend, um, Darrell, I just interviewed him. It's going to come out. I do. I, my, I released mine on Friday and he just started a movement called black men's wellness. Okay. And they deal with, um, the silent killer of black men across the world it's like the highest rate of death for black men is um hypertension high blood pressure yeah but it's called um he has a hashtag we don't do that shit which is all all these things that basically black men have been told they don't do they don't hike they don't snowboard they don't eat healthy, all these things. And he's like working towards getting black men in the woods, um, exercising, but also like 
the community of it. It's not just black men. It was, it's young boys all in the woods together. I'm going to take them to do archery. Just all of these things that typically the, what other black men would say to them, we don't do that shit. Mm -hmm. And he's amazing. And his dream is to have these all across the United States. And um, he's, he's such an amazing guy. I think you would love him. So I will, I want to hook yeah, you. Yeah, plug me up. Yeah, I want to, I want to hook you. Up. And I, and I'll share the details. I'll, I'll talk to you behind stage to, to hook up a tertuliano. Yeah, I would love that. So thank you so much for being here. I am, you took your time and I appreciate it. That was fun. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, and thank you so up. much. No, gracias a ti. Thank you. And it'll come out, I think, not this Friday, but the next. Dale. You you give me a nudge. <laughs> okay. Dale, take care, Angie. Thank Say you. hi to Todd. I will. And I'm hugging you from a distance. See, si, well received. <laughs> okay. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you to everyone who took the time to listen to this episode with Angel. It was... <laughs> jam-packed from talk about COVID-19 to Puerto Rico to surviving in a pandemic, working in schools, deconstruction of faith. It, it is so packed. And I, again, am amazed at how generous each guest I have had has been. And Angel is no exception. So generous with his time and his vulnerability. And I think as you listen to these episodes where each person that I interview leans so far into their own vulnerability, I want you to pay attention to that because that is a gift. So often in our world, we're just, you know, kind of pummeled by, you know, everybody surviving. And when we get to encounter people leaning into vulnerability and that is a superpower, it is so important to pay attention to that. So I'm just so grateful for Angel's time, his presence in the world and his voice and how he's using it during such a difficult time that we're all in together. So thank you for listening. Remember that you can find him um, links to his show in the show notes and the other things that he mentioned in the podcast will also be in the show notes. If you didn't catch um, our conversation at the end about Durrell, that is from last week's episode. So I'll put those in the show notes too and you can find that episode. That episode is also jam-packed with care and vulnerability. Um, again, if you are interested in meeting with me for spiritual direction or Enneagram help or things that can help you navigate this crisis and come out maybe more whole and integrated on the other side, I would love to work with you. You can find me at AngieFatal.com. Again, that will be in the show notes. But thank you for listening. I, it is not lost on me. I appreciate it. Please like, share, subscribe, rate, review. All of that makes a difference to who can find this. 
And I think it's important, the conversations we're having about racism and justice and inequality and spirituality and deconstruction of faith and all of it is so important to have, you know, not only with the people that can hold that space for us, but to have these conversations that go out to a broader audience just to allow people to know it is safe to have these conversations and it is important to have these conversations. Remember who you are, that you are worth knowing, you are worth loving, you are worth being in this world. Thanks again for listening. Take care of yourself. Goodbye.